Hey y'all, it's Danielle, and welcome to episode 28 of Ain't No Free Lunch. This week, Tykeen and I dust off the cobwebs and jump back on the mics to bring y'all a brand new episode. When we say we're dusting off the cobwebs, we mean it. It's been nine long months, and it's going to take a bit to get back into our groove. We appreciate y'all's tuning in as we get back to it, though. We talked July the 4th, Juneteenth, Trump, the citizen question, and the census. Should you fill it out? We think so. All right, y'all, let's eat. What's up, what's up? It's been a very long time. (laughs) Yeah, it's been... When's the last time we put out a podcast? It's almost a year ago. Oh, wow. I I said it's been a very long time and, like, chuckled, but I didn't think that it had been almost a year. I'm pretty sure it's at least nine months. I think it was, like, October. Oh, okay. School was definitely in session because... This is better than nothing. (laughs) School was definitely in session because I remember you were here doing research and I came by your parents' house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm rarely in Virginia. And then I met up with Hakeem, who's now married... Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's so exciting. He lives out here, doesn't he? He does. He got married in San Fran on Friday. Oh, that's like a super congratulations. <laughs> super recent. Yeah. So, what did you do for the 4th? How did you celebrate? I know that's one of your favorite um, holidays. Is it one of my favorite holidays? Oh, so I actually, I got a text message from somebody very close to me who would be very upset if I said who it was, but gave, sent who, who me, brought me a text message. Sent me a text message and does said, it, get does up. Na- does the name start with an E? No, no, no. It's not E. But I'll say one of my parents, I won't tell you which, uh, sent a text message that said, wake up and celebrate this white man's holiday. That sounds like Papa Green. <laughs> I'm not I'm not revealing which one. You can speculate. But and, and was just like, just be grateful that we get the day off. I didn't celebrate it. Some of the black grads here, we got together and we had like a mini potluck. Did y'all celebrate Juneteenth? I was in Virginia on Juneteenth. Oh, really? I was, I think. Was I in Virginia on Juneteenth? When did I come back? Yeah, I was still in Virginia on Juneteenth. And yeah. That's interesting. I'm trying to think, what did I do? We did something. Did I know you were in Virginia? Oh, I, actually, was that your family you reunion? Was that yes. your family? Re- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my family reunion weekend. Okay. Thank you. So we, yeah, we were peak black on June nineteenth. Got the family together. From I have family in in California actually that showed up at the family reunion. They live in Oceanside, and I was like, oh, let do me they, come visit. Do they spare their last name with an E or with without? So that's my that's my mom's side of the family. So okay. it's the Thorpe Cozart family reunion. Okay. Actually, the only people in my family on my dad's side that spell their name with an E at the end is my dad, my mom, and my brothers. Like everybody else and doesn't you. have an E at the end of their and me. Oh yeah, everybody else doesn't have an E at the end of their name. So so y'all just adopt. So that kind of happened with my bonus family. Uh-huh. So half of them, their last name is Stith, S T I T H, and the other right. half of them spell it Stiff, S T I F F. Interesting. Yeah. Now, my grandpa came back from the war and was like, you know what? I think it just looks better with an E. Just threw that jank up there. <laughs> wow. And I, I agree. It looks better with an E. Um, so so basically you're saying we'll get to we'll talk about that in the citizenship part of this episode. But yeah, you have an illegitimate last name. Y'all just adopted it yourself. What? 
no, no, not. It's it's a legitimate last name. Did, uh, in did the he words, form? Did he formally change his name? I think so. I don't know. Honestly, I did, I never like went down the rabbit hole to figure all of that out. I just know that green without an e at the la- at the end of the name is a color, and green with an e is a last name, and uh, that's that on that. So all right. how do you celebrate? How did I celebrate Juneteenth or the Fourth of July? Both. Both. Juneteenth, I spent some time meditating. Mm-hmm. I went to work. I think I just read a lot that day, and I've went down the rabbit hole of a bunch of articles saw a bunch of hot takes on social media that i was here for the fourth of july i didn't do much of anything i just chilled out so i was actually off the fourth and the fifth Uh so i just kind of relaxed i think that weekend i went fishing but i didn't do anything big it actually stormed really really bad on the fourth like flooding so oh it isn't it isn't storm here in the summertime but actually, so I'm teaching summer school to like seventh graders, summer school, not to university students. And I just finished teaching them what Juneteenth was because Did any of them we know? no, oh yeah, I don't you are have, in California. That's right. I'm in Cal. I'm in Northern Cali, and so I have. Oh yeah, you're uh, I have Stanford like, I think too. I have one black student that's in my class, and then another one who is I think he's Vietnamese, Korean, and black. That's the 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 entire populace of the black students that I have. So yeah, none of them knew what Juneteenth was, but we uh, we had summer school July first through the third, right? True. And so of course everybody else was teaching about the Fourth of July, and uh, I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to learn about Juneteenth and why it's different from July the 4th. Uh, so I still kind of talked about July the 4th. But I mean, at this point, they're going to the seventh grade. They know what the July the July the 4th is. They get indoctrinated in schools regularly. So that was that was actually really fun. So. It's really interesting that you say July the 4th. July the 4th. What do you say? 4th of July. 4th of July. That didn't even, I mean, I hear people say... 4th of July, but like we don't say 4th of anything. We don't say 11th of September. We don't say the 25th of December. The way our our calendar works is we put the month first, then the date. Yeah, but I also don't think people say like the in between the month and the day. So I'll just say like today is July 14th. I don't say July the 14th. I think I put the there. Maybe that's just something I do. I believe so. (laughs) So, all right. Let's break down what it's 4th of July and Juneteenth are for listeners. Okay. So I think most listeners know that like July the 4th, 1776 is the date apparently that America. So this is what's actually really interesting. And this is what I talk to my my kids about in class is people are always like, oh, it's Independence Day. It's the day we got our independence. Interesting thing about the 4th of July is that it's factually incorrect because people talk about that being Independence Day and it wasn't. Yeah, no, it's actually the day that, you know, being a social studies teacher still at heart is the day that we proclaim claimed our independence from Great Britain. And so it's basically say, which is like, okay, I get it. You know, the United States, I don't know. It's just kind of like narcissist to think that like our independence day is the day that we proclaimed our independence. There are a whole lot of people who proclaim independence and are still fighting for independence, like decades, years later, it wasn't inevitable that we were going, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so basically you're saying it's like an athlete saying I'm healed without having a surgery or something exactly literally and so like the fact that we call it our independence day when it's technically just a day that we finish writing a document proclaiming our independence from great britain and quite honestly the document hadn't even been signed at that point exactly no it hadn't it hadn't it wasn't 
signed fully until August 2nd. I don't know. We just like like to skip a whole lot of lot of steps or whatever, which is like, you know, whatever. People love to celebrate it because it's quote unquote our independence from Great Britain, which I mean, at the end of the day was really just independence for Great Britain for white male well, landowners. I, I, well, I mean, I guess you can say and we can get the, to this at the point, but we have a precedent of this in America because the Emancipation Proclamation was signed two years before people were actually liberated. Oh, quote yeah, unquote. yeah, yeah. So, so we have a history of celebrating the thought before the action in America. Oh, yeah. We definitely do. We definitely do. And like the Emancipation Proclamation freed like no one. That's the biggest thing. Like well, it's really oh, the right. 13th Amendment. Okay. All right. We'll, 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 we'll get to that. We'll, we'll come get to back. That. So we're all right. Ahead of Tell us about Thomas Jefferson. Why I got to talk about Thomas Jefferson? Because he went to my alma mater. Is that what you're doing? You're trying yeah. to be slick. Yeah. You're trying to be slick put me on blast. I, I actually have a story about my alma mater. So my boyfriend, Elliot, was oh, what? and You have a whole relationship what? out here? Oh my gosh. This is not news to you. Why are you hopping, hyping this up? What? <laughs> I'm puzzled. You're not puzzled. It, it ma- imagine so being in a whole relationship and then not being Facebook really? official. Wow. Oh, Facebook official. When was the last time I was on Facebook, Coop? Well, it depends. According to your you login, no, you have my password. <laughs> now, I know your password, and you don't know your password. Exactly, you know. But my carry password. on, your boyfriend Elliot. Exactly. Anyway, so he was talking to this woman who went to William and Mary, and he was like, "Yeah, my girlfriend graduated from there," and she was like, "Oh, well, tell her that it's the hundredth year of the woman there." And I was like, "You know what? Actually, she's so lucky that she wasn't talking to me because it's the hundredth year of the white woman being allowed to go to William and Mary. Black women weren't admitted to the College of William and Mary until 1967. We've been there for 52 years, so the whole year of the woman thing is just like." I didn't sit well with me. But anyway, uh, so, so so maybe we'll have an episode about the year of the woman and women's suffrage movement and that being the 100 year anniversary in the coming months. Oh, yeah, it is. But yeah, the year of the white woman. I really want to emphasize that because black women were not out here voting in 1920. Tell us, tell us about, about Thomas Jefferson. OK, so t- Thomas Jefferson, the author, the famous author of, you know, our all men are created equal, the founding father and the rapist. I want to be very clear that both are true um, mm. because people try to act like he can't that they were in love that they were oh yeah oh yeah that they they refer to sally hemmings as his mistress and that just really rubs me all kinds of other like all kinds of ways because like the politics of power basically dictate that there's no way for sally hemmings to give consent literally impossible yeah so interesting tidbit of contemporary news in virginia politics Mm mm-hmm the Charlottesville City Council just voted to no longer celebrate Thomas Jefferson's birthday. Interesting. Do we ce- we celebrate Thomas Jefferson's birthday? That's a thing. Charlottesville does because uh, you, you know he's kind of he's the founding father of the University of Virginia. Right. Right. Oh, I didn't know they did that. They just did it. Okay. Shout out to Charlottesville. But anyway, so what's really interesting about Thomas Jefferson, you know, he wrote the Declaration of Independence, blase, blase. A lot of people tend to try to say that he had a complicated past with slavery. Literally, people say that all the time. Like, well, he was really conflicted over it. And I'm like, "Mm, nah, was he actually conflicted? Because people are like, well, he proposed the abolition of slavery. And I'm like, no, read it. 
read what he wrote. He proposed the abolition of importation of slaves, right? Which we stopped importing slaves to the United States, I think in like 1808. At that point, it's not needed anymore because we at that point had like 4 million people living or like 3 million slaves living in the United States just through the laws of reproduction. There's no need to import any slaves. But anyway, he wasn't, he never advocated for the abolition of slavery, at least nothing to my knowledge. So if somebody, if one of our listeners knows of a document that I'm missing out on, please let me know. And the thing is, but his cousin did, which is really interesting. Maybe we can have an episode on Israel Hill, Israel on the Appomattox at some point, which was written by a history professor from Women Mary, actually. Oh, yeah. His name is Melvin Ely. Oh, I love uh, Professor Ely. I took a class with him. Yes. So he wrote this book called Israel on the Appomattox, Uh which is about some of the first free blacks in America living in Prince Edward County. Uh And I believe the guy's first name was Richard Randolph, but he's like Thomas Jefferson's first cousin. Oh, I didn't know that. You know, uh, Professor Ely's from Richmond originally. I didn't. So the short version of it is Randolph was opposed to slavery and but he inherited these slaves but he said hey like this is something i want to free my slaves and so he um didn't think he had the political capital to do so while he was alive but he willed Mm. his slaves all of his land oh and he ended up dying really young he died at like 26 and so his wife honored his will so it took her 10 years to get it probated and everything approved mm-hmm. but they divvied up all of their land to the slaves and so you had these free blacks in prince Edward county 50 years before the emancipation doing wow. business litigating with and against i mean they were cohabitating in prince Edward county peacefully like in harmony uh-huh. so yeah Perhaps we can even have Professor Ely up here. It's a kind of it's kind of thick and dense books at parts. Yeah, but uh, I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, and, he, and that he story. Does, so he's also like still super relevant because he does a lot of research on blackface. And for those of you who've been listening to the news about Virginia. <laughs> We clearly have a blackface problem um, just amongst our elected officials. So, yeah, he's he's done a lot with uh, research on blackface and like Amos and Andy and a lot of stuff. So maybe we could actually have him up here. I think that would be really cool. I think I still have his email address. It's not um, hard to find. No, but I'm just saying I think I still have like email chains. But yeah, so. So Jefferson owned over 600 slaves. Yeah. And from our research, he only freed seven in his lifetime. Exactly. Which is kind of like when people are like he was conflicted over the state of slavery. Was he? Was he? That's like the actual question there. But anyway, going back to what we said before about us missing a step on realizing like when we should actually celebrate things is not the idea, but the actual completion of the thought, which I think actually I really like that you said that because that's how America is. Like we congratulate ourselves for things that we haven't accomplished, but based off of like the ideals that we claim to hold or the ideas of like things coming to fruition. And we pat ourselves on the back before anything's actually ever happened. You would think, honestly, that we would celebrate Independence Day on September 3rd. Why September 3rd? Uh, That is actually when the Treaty of Paris, which concluded the American Revolution, was signed in 1783, which was (laughs) seven years after we wrote the the Declaration of Independence. Seven years later. So happy birthday, America. (laughs) 
<laughs> so are you gonna wish are you gonna get on twitter on september 3rd and wish america happy birthday no i can't because you know people were already here america already was in existence uh so but i i don't know maybe i'll get on twitter and be snarky if i get back on twitter i'd be productive out here without social media finally okay something i I saw this quote in an article like last week and i Uh, want to include it and the author said um perhaps the spirit of resistance and revolt were only pertinent when it came to how america won its independence not to how america achieved and maintained its power through the rod and whip of slavery end quote snapping i'm snapping oh yeah there's no way that the 13 colonies could have won independence from Great Britain without the free financial labor of slaves. Literally, we were building and doing things for free by the millions. Yeah, so I saw a meme go around and I saw saw my friend Douglas post this on Facebook and I went to engage. He ended up deleting it because he was getting a lot of flack. But it was a picture of enslaved persons because they aren't i think it's important for us to use the right words they aren't they weren't slaves they were enslaved persons Mm -hmm. so enslaved persons and they had the date june july 4th 1776 and they were out like in a cotton field yeah and that's exactly what happened and the meme was like y'all might have been free but this is what i was doing this is what my ancestors were doing on july 4th so people talk about juneteenth and i remember growing up we used to go to a juneteenth festival every Uh year it was in a park i think it was in lynchburg i think it was in miller park every year that's where i actually i met vanity go ahead go ahead and play nasty girl for me Van- oh, Vanity Vanity. Yeah. Oh, I just I, thought it was some woman named Vanity. That no, that's where I met. Uh, I met Vanity at a Juneteenth festival. And I, okay. and I just remember telling my parents, like, she is pretty. She's my girlfriend now. <laughs> but that was like, <laughs> that was like the prettiest woman I ever seen when I was a kid. <laughs> but so t- tell us what is Juneteenth actually? To understand Juneteenth, you have to understand the Emancipation Proclamation, essentially. So the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in um, 1863 by Abraham Lincoln. And a lot of people are like, the Emancipation Proclamation freed the slaves. False. Emancipation Proclamation in its in its declaration was an attempt to free the Southern slaves as a, as a war tactic, honestly, right? The South was getting free labor again, right? Uh, free financial, physical labor. And so as a way to weaken the South, the, uh, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, of, which effectively, quote unquote, freed the slaves in Southern states. Now, here's the thing. During the Civil War, was the Confederacy following anything that the United States of America, you know, the Northern part, the Union, was saying? No, they had their own president. They, they were following Jefferson Davis. So Abraham Lincoln puts out the Emancipation Proclamation and he might as well have signed it on toilet paper for all they cared. It didn't free anybody. But like what's really interesting is in a lot of the states that he did have jurisdiction over, like West Virginia, Maryland, a lot of those states, it doesn't apply to them either. 
So he he's not freeing anybody in the northern states where he technically has jurisdiction. I mean, I guess he has jurisdiction over the Confederacy because they're trying to secede and haven't yet done so. But then he tries to only free the ones in the place where he knows no one's listening. Yeah, it stresses me out when people talk about the the. It's the Thirteenth Amendment actually that ended uh, bondage slavery. But Juneteenth in particular is so two years after Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation was signed on June. 19th, 1865, there was an announcement that was made to slaves in Galveston, Texas, that they were finally granted their freedom, quote unquote. We're using the word freedom loosely, understanding that like there wasn't much freedom to be sought immediately in the years after the Civil War for black people. So, but yeah, so that's June 19th. That's, so the, that's the when the last group of slaves were informed that they no longer had obligations to work for free. Yeah, and the 13th Amendment wasn't actually signed until like December of 65, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think I think it passed one chamber of Congress. I think it passed the House in like mm-hmm. January and then it passed the Senate a few months later, but I don't think it was actually signed by the president. Um, it wasn't ratified by Georgia, which was a 27th state, which is very ironic until December 6, 1865. Interesting. It wasn't the Emancipation Proclamation. Like, if you read the document, it's very particular about the places where there's freedom <laughs> or like the, where they're freeing slaves. So this is an interesting tidbit. I just Googled it because I was curious. So yeah. you know, at the time, we only had 36 states. So to mm-hmm. be ratified by the legislatures of three fourths, you had to have 27 to 36 states. Right. So it wasn't ratified until December 6, 1865. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause he, he says in the document, all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are and henceforward shall be free. So, yeah, so so the interesting thing is on February 7th, 2013, Mississippi finally ratified the 13th Amendment. Wait, what? (laughs) Wait, no, no, seriously, what? So so it was it was ratified March 16th, 1995, but it was certified February 7th, 2013. (laughs) Hmm. So I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I'm I'm mind blown. Like that was like way low on the priority list. They were really hoping that it was going to come back. Right. And so now, you know, we're dealing with something similar with the Equal Rights Amendment. Yeah. You know, we're looking for a 38th state and they thought they had some traction in Virginia this year, but it didn't happen. So because we had so many distractions. Oh, all right. Let's transition. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to talk about our state right now. At least for me, it's a source of shame. (laughs) Yeah. So Donald Trump is adamant, well, was adamant. And now it seems like he's accepting his defeat. But he wanted to add a question about citizenship on the 2020 census. Mm. Yeah, I've been hearing about this a lot. And honestly, I don't think he knows how to accept defeat. Uh, so he's still going to try and figure it out. But like he's this is he's accepted that it's not going to happen in the way that he wants it to happen. Well, he so, said now that he wants to he's going to like solicit citizenship info from federal records instead of the census, which right. I think is a little bit better. But before. Before we go down this this rabbit hole, like today is supposed to be the beginning of these ice raids. Oh yeah, it is. It's Sunday. Yeah. 
Oh. So there were a number of Liberty and Lights events over the weekend, but I saw some activists say that they didn't participate because ICE was present at a number of these events. Um, mm. And people declare there's oftentimes when they get up, it's like they give declarations of their own citizenship. Like, right. I am an undocumented da 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 da. Yeah. Oh my goodness! It is it, it is Sunday. I I know the city of San Francisco has been bracing itself. There was a rally on Stanford's campus. I didn't find out about it until after it happened. Like people not sending out emails, but I'm also not on social media, so I miss a lot that way. Yeah. Oh man. But and, and I mean, I feel like he announced these ICE raids, right? In saying that because con- Congress hasn't passed comprehensive. Immigration reform. Immigration reform. But, you know, he doesn't say Congress. He says, like, the Democrats have not passed. Comprehensive. They haven't given me anything to sign. And won't close the loopholes. Yeah, Yeah, they won't close the loopholes. They won't um, close off weight past the citizenship. So he, in a lot of ways, he's like a child because what he wants to do ultimately is, like, if things don't go his way or he doesn't get immediately what he wants, he, like, retaliates or acts out and... Literally, in ways of revenge. Oh, you all won't close these loopholes, so let me send out ice raids, which... Which, which to me is like crazy, especially in understanding like how many people who get swept up in ice raids, even though he says their priority is criminals. No, they they be splitting families. Right. Right. Um, and, and people who have no criminal history, who go to work every day, would pay taxes if they could and probably do in some way, shape or form. Right. Um, but now he's they're, even they're talking about signing an agreement that a number of folks are saying that is illegal but his agreement is to send asylum seekers to guatemala they're running from guatemala right like that's one of the countries that is like we i mean we we don't have time to go down that rabbit hole but i mean so let's just talk about this like trump has built his entire political career on fear on using fear mongering and being an outsider and bullying folks but like immigration has kind of been the tenet of this all like oh yeah and, and so if you go back and look at historical like historical data on presidents this is the these are the types of things that Woodrow Wilson was saying and Ronald Reagan like oh these folks are gonna take your job and like if we get rid of them we'll have more jobs for America and America no, first we won't there some of uh, some of these people are literally doing jobs that nobody else wants to do or no, no one else can do like or can't yeah you know what I'm saying like like but, like some of is like there are many immigrants in this country who have a skill set and knowledge that no one else in the world has oh right? yeah oh yeah like the, it, it absolutely but then I'm also thinking about the MAGA people who are like how many jobs I'm like do you want it literally we have like 500 unestimated 540,000 children that work in in like field instead of going to school in the United States are y'all sending your children to go pick tomatoes no oh, okay and then you're gonna be mad when avocados cost seven dollars piece I don't know. I just get very frustrated with like that whole narrative of, yeah. And you're right. They, some of them are working jobs that are like are very, very specialized and that we just, some of us just don't have the knowledge to, but there are a lot. And then there are also those jobs that like people actually just don't want in some ways, immigration or like a lot of, a lot of migrants are what allows Walmart to keep its prices low. Right. But you're, you're fine with low prices, but you don't want to help people who are helping make your life 
lifestyle that much easier. I don't know. People just don't think all things all the way through. So tell us about how the Trump administration is trying to use out of all things, the Voting Rights Act of 1965 to communicate that this census question was so imperative. I'm so disgusted. <laughs> you know, I'm like so disgusted by this, right? Basically, Trump's administration is saying that they need a citizenship question on the census because because they it would allow them to carry out parts of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Like serious heavy eye roll right here. Like, Which has been gutted, by the way. Right. Which has been gutted, and we'll get into the Supreme Court and their role in this. But I, I mean, I remember being so disgusted when it was gutted, and John Roberts said that you know it's just not needed. Like America's t- like not as racist as it was before, and I that I just can't with that narrative. Well, um, it'd be outwardly racist. Yeah, and I, but, I remember we had a guest conversation with Vince when we were kind of throwing around the idea of doing this podcast and we talked about the voting rights act and we talked about how in Alabama, how difficult it is to even get IDs now. Oh yeah. So like there are some counties, they are all, they all happen to be counties that were mentioned in the, in section nine of the voting rights act, which I think all of them were minority majority. Mm-hmm. But they have like the DMV is open for four hours once a month, and they're oh yeah, and it's always like one to five or something crazy like that. So mm-hmm. people who work is really difficult. Like they try to make it extremely cumbersome. Oh yeah, and it's intentional for people to acquire the means so they can vote in these elections. Oh yeah, but like no, you're right. You're 100 percent right. But what's what's really interesting to me is 45 has essentially said more bluntly, like he said, blunt, I can't remember if it's on Twitter or one of those like Blitzkrieg. Um, uh, what are they called? Uh, when he does the like like talks on on the lawn as he's getting out of the chopper oh, or whatever, yeah. where he basically has said that he wants to, he wants a question in order to figure out who is not legal, who's not a legal citizen yeah, in and, the and, United States. And this is another one of those veiled attempts at talking about voter fraud, which is something that we see that's. Uh statistically non-existent in this country (laughs) exactly but it's something that he's like oh we have to do something about this because it's a big deal this is all about protecting donald trump his candidacy in 2020 and trying to ensure that he has a majority in both chambers so he can force a lot of things down that throat but to show that he's a hardliner on immigration right so you mentioned him early but chief justice john roberts uh, he joined the the four liberals on the court. I know, um, but I told you that after the how the Kavanaugh and the Gorsuch hearing, specifically the Kavanaugh hearing, went the confirmation process. I told you that I thought that justice may come back to the middle because you know he, I think he sees himself as a as a judicialist who people shouldn't be political or republican they should just call in his words balls balls and strike strikes and so the chief justice i think will he he's going to be the swing vote now which for some people is if extremely john, scary um, it's so scary to me if john roberts is if chief justice john roberts is now the swing vote that we have to depend on like seriously god help us all 
he has said so many, so many tone deaf things. I mean, I'm not going to say I was grateful when he sided with like Ginsburg and uh, Sotomayor. Like I was very grateful when he was siding with them uh, for this vote. But like, honestly, John Roberts comes down. He's not a middle just he's not a justice that situates himself in the middle. He may try in order to preserve the, you know, the nonpartisanship, uh, like make sure that the court stays nonpartisan. But I don't think that that's like <laughs> his deal. Right. He's yeah. not a liberal. He's not a middle. He's not a middle of the road kind of judge. He's just not. Well, I'll say this. I was surprised and we don't need to go down this rabbit hole today. But I listened to a podcast last year about a man named Curtis Flowers, who has been tried mm-hmm. seven times in Mississippi. Seven times. For what? A quadruple homicide. Interesting. And there have been a number of hung juries and such, but they the prosecutor keeps retrying them. Anyway, Clarence Thomas, out of all people, I think the vote was like seven to two, said right. that they were illegally striking black jurors from the jury pool mm-hmm. in an effort to convict this man. And so Clarence that, Thomas said that. Yeah, because remember Clarence Thomas voted against it. What was the case? I think the case. Was I know what the, you're talking about. In Georgia a few years ago, I think the. Oh man, yeah. I think the the guy's last name was Black. I think we talked about it because they were crossing off black jurors or they were putting a right. B next to the names of black jurors and crossing them out. And he said that that was not proof that they were acting in a racist manner. Yeah, but but this time he did it uh, in the case of this guy, Curtis Flowers. So look that up, y'all. Look that I up. will, because maybe he's trying to offer himself legitimacy as he talks about eugenics and modern day. Lin- I don't know. He like really gets my blood boiling. And so the Supreme Court shot it like they shot down. Basically, the ruling was that, no, you can't put a question of citizenship on the census, basically. Yeah, but um, but they had four votes. <laughs> they did have four votes. And so, so, so they, they cited against John. Donald Trump. But of course, of course, Clarence Thomas, joined by the Trump justices of Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, uh, said that he would have allowed the question on the on the census. Thomas wrote the dissenting opinion, the dissenting opinion, which is like he literally said, and I quote, for the first time ever, the court invalidates an agency action solely because it questions the sincerity of the agency's otherwise adequate rationale in quote basically he's saying that there it's a problem because they're they're questioning whether or not the agency has a sincere rationale they don't i can't count the number of times that the the trump administration has changed the reason for why they need a citizenship question it's like borderline 10 they keep they keep changing it and re-entering it at at like as different at different levels of as it goes through the court. Yes. So this is what stood out to me. And this is another quote echoing the, the den of suspicion and distrust that seems to typify modern discourse. The court declares the secretary's memorandum pretextual because viewing the evidence as a whole, his explanation that that including a citizenship question on the census would help enforce the voting rights act seems to have been contrived End quote. So here's my issue, and I'm going to try to say this without shouting, because I know that's not conducive to the conversation. Now Clarence Thomas is concerned about legitimate arguments for enforcing the Voting Rights Act? Like now, now, when he clearly has a BS rationale from uh, an administration that clearly gives no, does not care about the Voting Rights Act at all. 
Im- now Im- he cares about. <laughs> Imagine Clarence Thomas caring about the Voting Rights Act. Like what? The audacity! How dare he? So how dare he so, mention the Voting Rights Act? So this is the thing. Like legal experts say that this, the asking for citizenship would decrease the number of responses and we know a lot of people are fearful around the census anyway and they don't oh, yeah they don't actively engage they aren't truthful like mm-hmm. i know that my sister had a neighbor who had nine adults in their home once oh yeah that's scary and this was the 2000 census and th- they said they had two people there or they were pretend like they couldn't speak english mm-hmm. um and so all of those things jeopardizes the accuracy of congressional representation. Oh, yeah. And so we know it's an attempt to intimidate non-citizens in households that may have folks who are, quote unquote, here illegally, which disproportionately affects people in Texas, California and Florida. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But also like any any space where you have people who feel like accurately filling out that document is going to lead to some sort of retribution. Right. In some way, some in some way or some form. Uh, And I mean, one of the things that people don't know, one of the things that I was like planning on doing is if there was a citizenship question, I just was going to leave that one blank. You know what I mean? But anyway, yeah, which you, you don't have to fill out everything that comes on the census uh, if you don't feel comfortable doing it. But like after throwing his usual hissy fit on Twitter and threatening to put the question on there anyway, he finally backed down after the Supreme Court ruling. But like, as you said, that he's going to ask for to obtain citizenship data through like documents from the Homeland Security, um, Social Security Administration. But like at the end of the day, the question still it begs, like, why does it even matter that we fill out the census? Yeah. I mean, part of it is census results are used like we talked about congressional boundaries and districts, but also schools and the allocation of federal dollars. Oh, yeah. um, Which turns out to be billions of dollars. But if you look at a district like Richmond, which is 88 percent black and brown, which we know that schools is a safe space for people who may have immigrated here uh, who don't have documentation. Like this definitely affects them in a great manner. Right. It does. And so, you know, like we've never had a central registry of citizens and non-citizens in America. And the steps that Trump is taking looks like that's a direction that he's interested in pursuing. Oh, yeah. And and so like not to scare people, but these are the types of things that that man did in Germany. Oh, I mean, just like taking stock of who is what and where they are. I mean, I think I understand that the, and filling out the census is important, and particularly for community, like minority communities to make sure that they're getting the a right amount of federal dollars. But it also is when you add things like citizenship, it harkens back to like a different time, right? So what a lot of people don't know during this argument is that we at some point did ask questions of citizenship on the census. But the last time it was asked, the last time it appeared was in 1950. I personally am not trying to return back to 1950, but it's like we've been operating without the question of citizenship on the census for so long. I just don't trust that the reason why they are inquiring about citizenship is for anything other than mass deportations and knowing where to send ICE raids and tracking people. 
Like, I just, I don't trust that that's something that 45 would put, I, I wouldn't put that beyond him and I wouldn't put that beyond his people. Okay. Well, what do we do about this? Can I come in full circle? Like, how do we oh, yeah. help people who feel uneasy or like, how do we change this narrative? You know, that's a really good question that I'm still trying to figure out because I mean, explaining to to people that the results are used to redraw congressional boundaries and school districts and to allocate federal funds, like you said, and the, you know, billions of dollars. It's sometimes that's really, really like macro, right? Like right. you don't see if it had the immediate impact on yourself and your family. And it's also over the course of like 10 years. Also kind of understanding that, yes, it's over the course of 10 years. So like whatever you are allocated or like what type of federal funding that impacts us for the next 10 years, those congressional boundaries, those school districts impact us for the next 10 years. So even though it's super macro, it's like you almost have to explain to people it's the long game. And but I don't know. But I guess for me, it's it's mostly like if there's something that's on the census that makes you feel uncomfortable, don't fill out that portion. But like there still needs to be an accurate count of the population. You know what I mean? broken down by race, broken down by a lot of different components. But like that, that's what I was saying before. I would have just, even though I, I'm a citizen of the United States of America, but granted as a part of the, you know, the 14th Amendment, I wouldn't have filled it out in solidarity. I wouldn't have the, the citizen question in solidarity. So like now you got to go check and find, find, go through. Cause they're going to, I feel like there are a lot of people who would, who would just skip over that question based on principle. There's something that's particularly invasive that you feel like is particularly invasive, you can always skip it. Nobody's going to come knock on your door. What do you think about people, about folks working for the, like actually doing the census? Um, like some of the census workers. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think it's helpful of, especially in certain communities, you have people that look like you, maybe able to speak your language. I think that could be helpful in just saying, okay, like this person can be an ally. And so like this inherent trust at the door. I saw, right. I saw a discussion on Facebook a few months back in one of the Richmond groups, but it said that like, what are your thoughts when you see a white man in one of the courts in Richmond? And so the majority of people said, oh, he's a developer. He's a police officer or he's soliciting like he's trying to get a vote. Mm. And so like if people have this inherent distrust, they they aren't going to be truthful. They aren't going to participate. They may not open the door. So like how right. do you change that? And so maybe it's like some of these community organizers, people that folks already have relationships with. Maybe they mm. can help capture some of that data. Oh, yeah someone may be truthful with them and they'd be like, okay, well, this person is really going to protect me. That was just an idea that I had. Yeah. That'll be, that'll also be the second round of census. So like for 2020, I think they're predicting that the vast majority of households will be responding online, which I've never done anything for the census online, but they'll also, you can do it by mail. They'll mail it to your home as well or by phone. Right. And there's like a small percentage of households on that first round of collecting data, which are going to be primarily located in like remote areas of the country who are going to be visited by a census taker who's going to help collect like that necessary information. They still knock but on I, doors out in they, central virginia like farmville well, they, they, 
Yeah. But, I mean, do they consider, I mean, I don't know, I'm not trying to be funny, but do they consider that to be a remote area because it's rural? Yeah. So, but like in other places with high populations, the first attempt is going to get you, is going to be for you to get that piece of mail and for you to go online. And then they start knocking on doors once they haven't had, Yes. you know what I'm saying? Like the response rate that they want. So my question will be, how will they get these email lists, right? So, mm. because what has happened, what I've noticed is that the Trump administration will use government like they'll get government emails and then use them for political purposes oh yeah oh yeah and which means that a lot of people may be turned off by it yeah no that's actually that's actually i never even thought about it like that i mean i also was thinking about in particular like how they count for all of the people who are unhoused right uh so like thinking about that and you know that's not they're they're not they don't have homes or spaces of residence to send information to or don't have easy access to like online and internet but actually they have a program where they have a one night sweep started in 1990 to count all unhoused persons in like major cities but if you're in a smaller no no they do it no but it's a joke how they do it oh yeah at least in virginia it's called a point in time study Mm-hmm. It's the last Wednesday in January. Okay. So it's freezing cold. It's cold. Yeah. And it's extremely hard to find folks. So like I've participated in it. So you ride around with law enforcement officers. Which also it's like, yeah, are, are they going to come up and talk to you when you hop out of a police car? Right. And that's, that's how we do it in rural Virginia. And so mm-hmm. like we found the man one time in the summertime, he can't. So he works on the farm. Right. He, he has a tent. He camps outside in the summer. Mm-hmm. But in the winter months, he sleeps inside the chicken coop. Interesting. Um, which is horrible. But yeah. yeah, like that study is a joke. That's just like the former governor of Virginia saying that he effectively ended homelessness among veterans which is which was wild no that's a lie because their model now is that you can only stay in the shelter for 30 days which yeah that's not what it needs to be anyway wrapping up when are we doing this again danielle that's what Uh, the people really want to know yeah i think that is the that's the thing so we're next two weeks two weeks from now what's that that's gonna be the twenty July the twenty eighth. We should be recording again. We'll hold us to it. Absolutely. Tweet us at Ain't No Free Lunch at our Twitter account. Remind us that we're supposed to be recording. We're we're on a Sunday schedule, a bi weekly Sunday schedule. So we're gonna be we're gonna be sticking to it. And it's early morning for Danielle, so it is. It is early morning. So, but I'm, I'm, we're getting back into the swing of things. It, it takes like a rusty episode or two to like shake out all the cobwebs and, and get our groove back. So, yeah. And shout out to our new producer, Melissa. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be an, a huge help for us since we don't oh, have yeah. to edit and handle all the production. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, like we're excited about that. And so now we can just focus on content. And uh, so, yeah, Bring we look forward to it. Possible. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.